as opposed to these big bold headlines of this is what financial freedom is. Like, you know, if I, if I ask you the question and I ask Karen the question, what's financial freedom? It's different. It's different for absolutely everyone, right? You can't say it's when it's a hundred million dollars, right? It's when you get a billion dollars. You can make financial freedom whatever you want it to be. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Couple of Lattes. As always, and it hasn't changed, I'm your host, Jacques Massey, and today I get to sit down for part one of a two-part podcast with the boys from Mere Mortals Podcast. If you haven't checked it out already, I'll make sure I leave all of the links in the description below this podcast. You should check out their podcast. It's amazing, super philosophical. Uh, basically, they're striving for excellence through life's lessons. Uh, so they get really deep in so many different areas. They have some great guests on the show and they dive into some really deep, interesting conversations that most of us probably wonder about and ponder about at some point in our lives. So make sure you check that out. Again, the links will be in the description. You can also find them on Instagram, mere underscore mortals underscore media. Uh, that'll be linked in the description as well. But anyway, part one of this discussion, we dive into how to make money work for you. So money is one of those touchy topics that most of us don't want to talk about because there's this weird kind of disconnection that we have in our relationship with money. Uh, but it's still uh, important in the lives that we live nowadays. Money is all around us. And although money isn't everything, it is a tool that we can use to help us achieve and be successful in every aspect of our life. So in this part of the podcast, we discuss budgeting, we discuss cash flow, we discuss investing, we discuss some of the tips and the tools that uh, Juan and Karen have used in their lives to make sure that money works for them and allows them to achieve all of the things they want to achieve in their lives, whether it's security, whether it's financial freedom, whether it's uh, setting up uh, for future generations, uh, all of that is covered in this podcast. I do want to preface this, however, by saying this is not financial advice. This is simply an open discussion. Uh, all of us discussing some of the things that have worked for us, some of the uh, learnings that we have had around making money work in our own particular situations. I would suggest if you're seeking advice to seek out a financial professional. Super, I'm super pumped to be actually finally having a deep conversation with both of you because I've been listening to your podcast a little while and you guys just did your intros then, uh, which people will hear as, as they listen to the podcast. Um, and it's it's crazy because you guys are so different in so many ways, but then mm. your podcast kind of brings those two halves together. And I think it's valuable for many reasons. Uh, and one of which that sticks to mind straight away is we live in this landscape now, right, where there's kind of this breakdown and people being able to converse uh, with their own opinions and their own views without it breaking down into some sort of cancel culture or just a total violent shutdown of the conversation. And I find yeah. that because you guys are so different in so many ways, but then also you have this common joy of podcasting and just engaging in deep conversation with each other and the fact that you're friends as well, obviously, it's just so good to hear conversation with different opinions and it not end up in some sort of crazy outrage. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, certainly. And I think it, it sometimes boils down to as well with people, you know, at least one thing, right, is the respect for other individuals and humans, right? So I think especially it makes it easy when you're friends for a long time and so you've been accustomed to kind of like nicking each other, ra ragging on each other with something that was completely dumb and kind of 
you know, kind of hitting back and forth, but knowing that in the end, you both have sort of respect and love for each other as in a friendship to be able to communicate, yeah, definitely the truth. And I think there's a lot of things missing, especially when it's people who don't quite have that connection and relationship to be able to really go through to the truth and be able to say, well, this is what I believe and this is what the other individual believes. And it's not saying that one's wrong and one's right. It's just two viewpoints and what you're trying to get to is sort of triangulating to the truth of what you two are discussing and whether, you know, whether you arrive that or not is then having the, the mutual respect to understand that, okay, there's going to be varying viewpoints and you're going to have your context and someone else's context and that's going to be okay. Hmm. Whose voice is that I'm hearing? Right. So Juan Granados. So originally Colombian, 28 years of age. What I get up to, right? Consultant and contracting is sort of the main gig and obviously doing the podcasting stuff now through Mere Mortals. All that being said, I think the, the thing with podcasting is it's, it's all about ideas, right? And communication. So if you look at what we actually do in real life and the reason why I've been friends so long is we basically do the same stuff, but not mm. that different. If you'd look at like take a snapshot of me, take a snapshot of one, we both go exercise, like we both stretch, we both read books, we both, you know, spend time with the family, both, you know, mm. look, have girlfriends, blah, 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 whatever it is. We're very, very similar in a lot of ways. And then it's just in the podcasting. That's actually a, a good way to, to find out about Highlight like the, difference. the differences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a new voice. Who's that? I'm Karen. I'm uh, 28 years old. I actually know Juan Granados from high school. We're high school friends. Um, me, my, I suppose, journey is, is more on introspection. So a little bit the opposite of Juan in some respects. Uh, and yeah, I've been spending a lot of time, particularly the past couple of years, following my passions. So whether that be travel, meditation, like we've mentioned, um, deep breathing, reading, whatever it is, like that's that's sort of my my go-to path. If I'm passionate about it, I go to it, and I'm really trying to get rid of all the other other crap. Yeah, I think I think you put that really well, Karen. Um, and and on that whole background front, you guys are both engineers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I find. Yeah, so I... I find the more and more I have conversations with engineers, engineering to me is like one of these pursuits where if you learn engineering or you kind of figure out how to work your mind in a way that an engineer does, everything else in life seems to become easier because the whole premise of being an engineer is to fix problems. Mm. And so many people have problems, but they have no idea how to fix them. Whereas an engineer will look at them and be like, ooh, exciting, a problem. I'm going to figure this out. Well, it's, in, it's interesting you say that, right? Because the reason, and I've always thought about this, you know, why do they say that engineering, there's a couple of other professions, but why say engineering is it so great to be able to then expand and go across to different professions in that, right? So one of the things that you get taught when you're doing engineering and whatever the breadth of it was, so current doing mining engineering, I specialize in civil structural engineering, you get to learn more how to problem solve. And the problem solving side of things is how do you break down a problem that at first looks like there's 17 parts to it. How do you structure that down and go, okay, well, first I've got to look at this joint and then that joint and this moment and then this stress to actually combine it together to say, well, at point C, there's this vertical stress and this torsion going through. Here's your answer, right? So I think you you learn a lot in that process around problem solving. Mm. What you don't learn, right, is dealing with humans and dealing with people, which is actually <laughs> a, one of the bad things with it. Because I mean, you, you interact like any other university degree, but in the essence, you learn the problem solving skills. And I've got to say like, yeah, yeah, me and Kyron are quite alike in the way where we, we know things now. We're very, uh, you know, select when we're putting down things. We're not all over the place. We like schedule. We know how to break down things. But 
there's other aspects of you know general life like interacting with humans and understanding relationships and structures and everything else that we definitely have to learn outside of that sort of scope when you're an engineer you interact with engineers so exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like a feedback it's a feedback loop yeah. of each other so yeah yeah, yeah. no but i i think it's fantastic because you guys are doing this podcast right and you're having conversations with Predominantly, I think humans, right? There's no like dogs mm. and cats on the podcast. <laughs> God or... damn it, no, no, no robots yet, unfortunately. Yeah, no, no. Maybe when the overlords take over and they start coming through, maybe. But uh, yeah. yeah, human, human, human interaction at the moment. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're increasing your knowledge in that area and you're understanding how to interact with humans. So yeah, all credit to you guys. And I wanted to share with you, especially one one of my best friends mm-hmm. actually is a Colombian guy. He's also an engineer. And when I heard your guys' podcast, you actually reminded me a lot of him um, in oh, terms wow, of cool. how you guys are. So I wanted to briefly share that. But on the topic of problems and solving them, mm-hmm. it's great that I do have two engineers uh, on the show and I'm super pumped to have you guys on the show. Um, but I think we're going to kind of two-part this um, episode Let's maybe dive into finance to start with, uh, because mm. I think especially right now we're in this crazy macro environment economically and, you know, Australia is in a recession, most of the world is in a recession, we've got this COVID-19 thing happening and, and I think a lot of people out there who have predominantly lived paycheck to paycheck without any sort of real education on finance and uh, how to understand money and how to use money are probably pretty stressed out right now. No, certainly. Um, look, I'll take it away from from my perspective. Right? I've always, I've always grown in a mindset of from an investing and from finances. I always thought, man, I've got to have money in the bank and enough to be able to live. And I, I didn't really think beyond that. Right? I came from an environment. Uh, yeah, I immigrated over from Colombia when I was uh, fairly young, and you know, through those beginnings with through the family there was literally one or two reasons why we came over and it was more to have opportunities to have a better life than we did in Colombia. Mm-hmm. through, you know, for me, finances was, and to what my family was, right. What was passed down. It's just the stories you get told is you know, buy a property, live, live somewhere. So it's like a principal place of residence. And then whatever money that you then make, whatever it is that you're doing should be enough that, you know, you can be happy in whatever that happy terminology was. Now, you know, you're looking at the macro currently, I think what a lot of people are freaking out is, you know, whether in you're in the end of, you know, you haven't, you're, you're young, perhaps you haven't bought a house or you haven't bought an investment or you haven't been using any vehicles for investing and financial purpose. You might be a little bit confused in the side of, okay, well, what do I do? It feels like a million things are happening. Where should I be venturing? And look, to be honest, that's kind of how I felt. I'd probably say about five, six years ago, right? And I was a position, this is pretty, um, going in and investing out. I, I was in you know, just starting in the in, in work and I was trying to understand, okay, what should I be doing? And I always had this mentality of, okay, I should just buy myself a house, live it, live in it, and then that should be enough and I'll hope to go from there. Um, now I've been fortunate enough that now I've been able to work and expand from that and be able to sort of diversify investments and financially. But even if I had to, you know, whether I'm beginning now or I'm a little bit more advanced, I think one of the things people really get misguided with is trying to invest too much or do too many crazy things without having the right stability in place and the right foundations. So, you know, I, I've talked to you know a lot of people and we, we you know, specifically with shares, right? Um, I was very vocal within our group, with our friend group about shares and what people should be doing. But for all intents and purposes, yeah, I could say, you know, till the cows come home, I could t- talk to people about, you know, cryptocurrency. We could talk about retail, uh, you know, real estate. We could talk about, 
uh, shares. We can talk about businesses, but at the end of the day, or whatever position you're at, you should have some base foundation to who you are, whether you've got a property, you don't have a property, wherever you're living, to be able to, you know, be comfortable and not making some erratic decisions purely because of the context that you're in. So mm. for me, a financial, my financial and investing view is you always have to have that level of foundation to at least help you, you know, make decisions that are not controlled by emotions. And then and only then can you then go ahead and start looking at all the various vehicles that you can use. Mm. Yeah, for, for me, I guess like I definitely agree with a lot of what he was saying, especially the, the foundation part. Mm. So for me, that gets back to all the way, like what's the value of a dollar to you? So for me, like one of the ways you can figure that out, the most easiest way is just tracking where your money is actually going. I think the real, the only real time I I started to realize like, oh, well, as far as investing, like where I, sh- I should put the money, how much I should put in, whether like it's going to be in stocks or in the bank or wherever. It was, it was due to knowing, I guess, what the value of a dollar was. And in that case, it's, how much do you actually need to survive? What what do you actually need? Me and Juan are both relatively mm, skint in a sense. Mm. We'll mm. we'll save up money till the yeah till the cows come home, and like the luxuries on life, it's almost like a challenge not to have them. But that's really good in a way because then you know, okay, I only need X amount to live on. I'll, I'll give you just to make it more concrete. I can easily easily live on. 15 grand a year like as far as expenses go that's no problem for me if i wanted to i could take it way down less and once you know that and then you start actually having an actual income coming in that's more than that then it's i find it easier to decide where you should be putting money and Mm. it doesn't just like you know slip through the fingers like what the hell i had rent money a a month ago and now it's gone yeah Yeah, yeah. and it's it's also so you mentioned the paycheck to paycheck quote right and you know i see that a lot you know you you know you see people and individuals when they start earning a little bit more but what happens is that their expenses kind of follow suit with that so you know you'll you'll go into the you'll just start your first job maybe you're on 50 grand 60 grand then you start moving up to 70 80 100 grand whatever it may be and generally your expenses will kind of raise with that and it'll follow through um one of the things that i've always always understood and i think just it was like, I always understood it, but obviously now I've sort of extracted it and put a little bit more, you know, specificity around it when I'm tracking some of my things financially is, well, one thing is income and one thing is wealth. And really wealth is, you know, for however much income or, you know, money you have, how long can you live in it? It's the whole quote of, well, if you have a million dollars, but you're spending a hundred grand a month and you're not really that wealthy because you're going to run out of it in 10 months, right? It's going to go fairly quickly. So it's a bit of a balance and of understanding how much do you, and this is, and I think this is where people also miss it, right? Because the question about finances is about you. It's whatever position you're in. So if you have a family with two kids and you need X amount of money to, to live and understand what you want to be doing and the flexibility, then you need to calculate how much is it that you need to be making. So mm, mm. one of the, when someone asks me like, you know, they want advice, like I want to make money. Well, that's sure you can. What do you want the money for? Like if you tell me that you need 80 grand to live and then you want 40 grand extra and you want to be secure about it, well, I wouldn't be suggesting to you that you go and jump into something that's going to be really, really risky and you might lose all your money. Now, at that point, you say, okay, maybe you can kind of put away some into your super. Maybe you can go and put away something into a really solid, uh, like a Vanguard. You know, something where you're going to have a pretty set return of money. 
you can kind of put it away and forget and focus on everything else. Now, mm. if someone comes up and says, you know, well, I want hundred grand. I want to have a really lavish lifestyle and I'm okay with taking risks. Then fantastic. You know, you're young. Let's take, let's try and build a business. Then let's look at you know, potential much more riskier share investments, uh, looking into, you know, cryptocurrency and obviously then being able to spend the time to learn about that. Mm. But it still all boils down to, you know, what is it that you personally actually need the money for financially? So you're not overreaching. So it takes you away from that, you know, mentality that everyone has, which is, oh, well, my mate's got, you know, a 60 grand car. I must now have one. And, oh, but they've got a good, really good couch. And, you know, it's really simple when people listen to it. They're like, oh, well, that's dumb. But everyone does it. Like everyone will have had a, a moment in time when you thought, man, I really need some Yeezys. Yeah, I really need this. <laughs> so you might need it, but it, what, what's a, what's a must have and what's a, you know, you, you could have, mm. uh, I, I, I now work in a particular area of, of life, which is much more in development and it, right. And, you know, you, you specify things in a product with what's something that you must have, what's something that you should have, you could have, and you, you would have. And sometimes you got to understand in life financially, what's something that you really must have and what you should have. And that can get you to understand, okay, well, do I really have to be, investing or financially structuring my way in such a risky way to be living a life that you know for all intents and purposes is probably making me feel worse to be able to do that mm-hmm. and and then it all comes down personally because I, I can give you like an example myself and Kyron we live in a very different um you know basically you know, Kyron was saying concrete structure of like 15 grand would be a much how much he's you know he could use to sort of live mine would be many multiples above that but that's also because of the, <laughs> of the way I've chosen my asset structure to sit the way that I live my life, the way I live my life with my partner, all these sort of things that changes that dynamic, but you've got to dial down on a, on a one-to-one basis with an individual to understand that. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's kind of take a step back because there's a lot of kind of concepts and ideas to unpack in that, that I'm guessing if someone's sitting here listening to this podcast going, well, fuck, I'm just waiting on my next job keeper check to come in to, you know, be able to afford food and pay the rent. They're probably hearing all this and going, well, this is great, but like, where do I start? And so Mm. there was some thing, really important things you touched on there. And one of which was having clear goals around what it is you actually want as an individual financially, what it is you want to achieve, whether it's financial freedom or if it's just financial security, whether you just, really want to work a career job but have a little bit of spare cash on the side to afford all the uh, the holidays and the extra expenses um so maybe let's let's take a step back and in your guys individual opinions where does a person start like talking about maybe financial plans their goals um emergency funds that kind of thing yeah certainly I'll uh, it yeah I'll, I'll keep this one off then yeah for me it goes to creating a spreadsheet of some sort. So just knowing the bare basics. If you're meticulous and OCD like Juan and I, you'll probably know every single dollar and where it goes. If you're less so, then you know a weekly one is fine, just knowing where that money goes. And I think that's a good starting point, even if you don't have money currently coming in. So say you're at uni and you're studying and you get like an allowance from your parents or a JobKeeper, whatever it is, you'll, you'll have like little bits coming in and you'll also know where it's going out. And so you can track where it's going out. From there, look, man, I, I, I really struggle with giving broad advice to you know, shitloads of people, but good rules of thumb, just you know, live underneath whatever it is that you're earning. So 
match match that that level of of lifestyle to whatever is underneath and then you know if you want better than that you've got to gonna have to work harder to to sort of play the the jumping game going up other than that yeah i, I have mm. too many strong opinions on on what's the the best way to start um whatever i, I guess wherever you're at just keep going at it so keep going harder and, and actually put some heart and soul into it so if you're a janitor you know be the best janitor you can be and if you're realizing okay this is a ceiling cap i'm not going to be able to rise higher all this hard work i'm putting in is going nowhere then that's a time to look at another position elsewhere and see like okay these skills i have can i use them in mm-hmm. elsewhere i guess but in a way that's... At, and when i look at it i'm to try to get it yeah sorry um yeah i guess i guess to kind of sum up what you're saying there like continue to acquire massive amounts of usable knowledge is one way that you can start mm-hmm. investing without actually investing if you know what i mean like invest in yourself right if but before you before you start any sort of um life in investing in stocks or real estate or whatever it is you need to acquire the knowledge or even if it's moving up to another position acquire more knowledge better yourself and you're going to have more opportunities right yeah certainly look i'll, I'll give an example for that one right there's you know, information is everywhere right everyone's got access to information like you me Karen, anyone listen to this you've all got the same information we have right which is google but one thing's information <laughs> and one thing's knowledge. So it's a translating of information into knowledge and knowledge that's actionable by yourself. It's, it's important. You can go and read, you know, I could tell you that it's a great investment to go and buy some Berkshire Hathaway shares, but no one on JobKeeper's got 280 grand worth just to go and spend to buy a share, right? That's, that's, that's <laughs> not going to happen. So I think it's, it's interesting if you, like if you are someone who's on JobKeeper or JobSeeker and you're thinking, all right, I've got whatever, two grand in the bank, I'm only getting in this money. I'm on zero. Where do you start? Like wh- wh- how I would take it and the way I share, you know, how, what I would do to things is kind of explain well, what I would do and then take from that what you think is learnings would be first go out there and figure out, you know, reading some information, obviously in relation to uh, being financially literate. So people like Naval Ravikant, you know, if you haven't heard of Naval, a couple of other people listening to some individuals to understand like, okay, yeah, you want to try to build up some sort of emergency funds, right? That that's sort of step one. Understand emergency funds. Uh, you know, what is the bare minimum that you can have so you can have some peace of mind. And again, I bring it back down to you know, emotions control your decisions. If you are an emotional human, is going to react to absolutely anything that's going to happen to you financially. Then you're going to let that drive your decisions. So if you believe that you're a job keeper and you tell me that tomorrow you've invested grand into shares or whatever it may be fantastic and as soon as there's a market down or something happens you know it goes up 20 percent, you're going to be so much you're going to just exit the market right so sure you may make a put sure you may make a loss you're going to be completely dependent on how as a human you're going to act emotionally if you've got at the first place you know some sort of financial backing in terms of an emergency fund and that might take you you know some people you know, right rule of thumb have about six months worth of like, you know, livings expenditure sat away somewhere. So you can be happy that, you know, if you've lost a job or whatever, you've got some savings there. If you are, if you're really pushing me, if you're if someone's asking me, you know, I'm on JobKeeper, I want to start investing. Like, you know, I'm kind of making ends meet, but I want to be doing something then start in the, of the smaller scale that you can, right? Don't be thinking that you're going to be trying to pull together some sort of saving for a down payment on a house. 
you know, look at ways that you can get into markets that you can be playing in it. That's quite, it could be, it could be, you know, a medium risk, I'm not suggesting high risk, but it can be somewhere along the lines that's easy to get into. So that might be a cryptocurrency. It could be other forms, vehicles that allow you to put in, you know, 20 to $50 here and there where you're trying to build up something, you know, using compound interest in different areas, but you're not, you know, you're not putting 20, 30, 40% of what you're making on a week and risking it all, especially when you don't have some sort of financial backing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things I just wanted to quickly unpack in, in what you guys both said. Um, so the way the way I'd kind of look at that, um, maybe step one is to acquire that knowledge. So if, if you're going to do anything to financially free yourself or get stable, you first of all need to understand a little bit about money, how it works, um, what the importance is of an emergency fund, all these kind of details that unfortunately the schooling system doesn't really teach so well. So knowledge would be number mm. one to me. Um, second would be, yeah, like you say, get that emergency fund, right? Like if you have six months to a year even worth of backup cash that you know you can go back to, then yeah, 100%. That means when you do get into the stage where you're comfortable to start investing and start understanding about markets or real estate, you're going to be so much more, um, so much less uh, impacted by the emotions, like you're saying one. Um, and I guess another one that I, I would kind of add to what you guys said there is to to put together some clear goals. And that kind of comes back to what you you were saying there, Karen, with looking at your bank account, seeing where you're spending money. And that's really hard for people, right? Like a lot of people just don't look at their bank accounts because they hate to see um, what they actually spend all their money on. But when you're actually able to look at that and then develop some clear goals around, okay, I won't be spending uh, more than X this month. Um, I'll have this amount of money each month that I can dollar cost average into my emergency fund. Or once I get to this point in my emergency fund, then I'll have this amount each month that I can dollar cost average into this stock or this company or this ETF or whatever kind of vehicle it is to increase their wealth. What do you think about uh, goals in, rela- in relation to finance. You kick it off, Mark. Kick it off. Now, this is an interesting one because, and I'll tell you a personal story, right? I had a goal a couple of years ago where I set myself, I want to have X amount of money by the time I turn 27, right? And that's what I, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Just a single figure, right? For me, I was like, I want a million bucks. I want a million bucks in assets. Oh, that's what I want to do. Now, the interesting thing about that is that I, that sort of goal for me was okay. You know, I was able to break it down. I was able to think, okay, how I would do it. Would I purchase properties? Would I be getting shares? Would I be doing businesses? Which way can I articulate this so I arrive at that point? And that was all good and well. But what I found was setting the goal in that particular manner, like a, just one figure, wasn't very great for me. What I actually thought... And what I then realized going forward is for me, cash flow is king, right? My goals, and I'm just sort of giving you my experience, my goals are much more related to what I experience as a human on a day-to-day basis. So financially, I'm not looking at like these big numbers. What it also takes me away is I'm not looking financially at like, I must have a million dollar house. I must have a 200 grand car. I must have you know, these sort of shares. This what no. What I more care about now financially from a goal structure, I'm humanizing it a little bit. And what I mean by that is I'm saying I want to be earning, you know, such an income that it's 
30 to 40% above my expenses on a month to month basis. So what that allows me to look at is I know that it can change, it can fluctuate depending on what I'm earning or what I'm spending and what I'm trying to do. But I'll generally finances in a way my goals. So I know that on a month to month basis, I need X figure that I need to be having at the very least. And then I want to be earning or setting up my finances and my investment portfolio in a way that I can achieve 30, 40% over that on a month to month basis. And then it allows me to then have the freedom to do what I want extra, whether it's investing, whether it's just spending it, where it's whatever I want, but I all my sort of main living um, sort of expenses and everything else I want underneath that cover. So my goals, I think just summary of that is humanizing it in a way that it builds to my lifestyle or to individuals' lifestyles, as opposed to these big bold headlines of this is what financial freedom is. Like, you know, if I, if I ask you the question and ask Karen the question, what's financial freedom? It's different. It's different for absolutely everyone, right? You can't say it's when it's a hundred million dollars, right? It's when you get a billion dollars. You can make financial freedom whatever you want it to be. For me, financial structure and goals has to deeply align the way I live my life. And that to me is a monthly structure of X expenses, 30, 40% of, you know, above that of income. Yeah. I've got a, a quick side note here. Yeah. So I had a very similar story to one in that I made a dumb goal when I was young, yeah. 21. But here you'll see how I am a shooting for the stars and one's a plan. Because I, want, I wanted a million by 26, not 27. So. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Juan, one. Skip your game uh, up, bro. Yeah, God. exactly. No, yeah, for me, very similar story. I, I set a goal when I was 21, had no idea what I was doing. And it was like, just, just for the hell of it, just to set a goal. And I think, you know, my, my path has, has definitely been influenced by what I actually did. So how I started earning money. So I was very fortunate in that um, going through uni, I got a, a very decent scholarship from Rio Tinto. Um, this was back in the mining boom. And I entered into that industry just after the peak. So I sort 2014? of... 2014? Uh, yeah, 2014. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, 2014 I started. So uh, I got into it and I was earning like buckets of cash mm. being a graduate straight out from high, um, from university. So uh, for me, it was like uh, I didn't really need to worry too much about what I was doing with it. And I didn't really have any goals for it other than I'm just going to live and you know whatever happens happens so i was throwing money into the the share market but not particularly caring of like mm. am i getting huge investments from this is this uh, you know the best place to be using it blah 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 and i think from then on i've, I've just been very fortunate in that my like long-term goals are just sustainability I, I don't need all this stuff like material stuff doesn't matter that much to me so what i need is just the bare minimum to live on and so when I, when I make goals for financial stuff, now it's, it's definitely the qualitative. So like mm -hmm. what I was saying, it's not putting a number on a certain date and saying this needs to be reached. It's, it's more, okay, in um, you know, a couple of years time, would I have enough saved up to you know, potentially look after a kid if I had a wife and, and whatnot? So for that it's it's kind of bad the the advice i'm giving because it's not going to be really great for those people looking for those initial steps of like well look i'll interject i was going to say 
we we have to put this caveat is that the you know this that we're giving as well is we're now in two very fortunate positions where mm. we're not well you can't say we're financially free but we're very financially flexible right but if you were and and you you got to the point of it i think the more that you're struggling with it as well maybe the goal structure needs to be a little bit more quantitative you have to put more direct numbers to it so you know if you are really struggling paycheck to paycheck make your goals really fine out to the point of i'm only spending a thousand bucks this month and 200 bucks is going to this 400 bucks going to that and i am not you know you're being really really um inflexible with it yeah i'll, and, I'll save 10 yeah. percent of my paycheck like that goes into this account which cannot be touched that, exactly. that sort of thing yeah so and obviously the more more financially free you become and the more flexible you can be then your goal structure going into that more qualitative sort of state then you become a little bit more flexible with your finances, which you know allows you to do that. I think the more you can be obviously financially free and your goal structure can be more uh, qualitative, then obviously it's gonna it's gonna improve the way that you interact with it because it is a little bit more flexible. It you know it goes more towards your lifestyle that you can derive and you can structure. But you are if you are setting goals at that lower bound, like if we think back, obviously there's a reason why we did the whole. You know, we want to reach this number. I know that you would have done this and I probably would have done this the same way. If we look back, we would have gone, all right, well, this month I'm putting away 1K into shares. Yeah. And that's what we would have done, right? We would have broken it down into these little little sort of actionable steps to go, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. So maybe that's the other one as well with financial goal structure. Break it down to actionable steps. Do not leave it hanging out. So don't do, we would have broken it down, but don't leave it hanging in like, I want to be a millionaire. Like that's a horrific, that's a horrific goal. Sure, you want that, but there's so many permutations of doing that. Um, let's break it down into, you know, go specific. You know, if you get a one to three percent return on your investment on a compound or interest, and you put away uh, four thousand dollars or two thousand dollars per month, something like that, you'll be a millionaire by seven years. Cool, there's your maths for you. But you know, you can fluctuate this in many different ways to kind of get that result. Mm-hmm. I think. Um... Yeah, that was, that was super valuable what you guys both shared. And just to uh, put a put another little disclaimer on this podcast, mm. this isn't financial advice. Uh, we're just having a conversation about finance. Uh, anyone yep. who is listening to this, don't take any of our words for this. Go and speak with an expert, speak with a financial advisor. I don't want to end up getting in trouble for telling you to put all your money in Tesla and then the stock fucking plummets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, look, I'll give you, it's kind of like, uh, like a, a bit of a funny story. So, on the day, so we're talking Australian share market right now. On the day that Afterpay, Zip, and all the uh, buy now pay later stocks were at the lowest point, I sent a little message to our group and I said, "Put all your money onto these shares, like right now, right freaking now." And we we're talking about this a little in some one of our podcasts, and Karen didn't follow my advice. One of our mates did, and he put quite a bit into Zip, which now multiplied, you know, six, seven times over for his money. Um, and we were talking about like, oh, you know, you know, maybe if I'd explained a little bit better as to why I was saying this and gone down into the path of, you know, the mentality behind that. Mm. But even then, like, it's certainly right. I wouldn't be prepared because they were close friends. I wouldn't be prepared to tell that to someone because you can have that just hanging over your head. So hundred percent. Yeah. Only chatter, uh, not financial advice. Do yeah. recommend, you know, take this as that uh, information that you can use to create knowledge by verifying with a professional individual. I also yeah. want to add, I also did not follow Juan's advice the week before the coronavirus That's also true, yes. <laughs> to buy those exact same stocks where they plummeted 40% or <laughs> yes, so, yes, yeah. uh, 
there's another caveat for you <laughs> oh shit mate yeah yeah and i guess to to touch on that one last time before i suggest another kind of thought mm-hmm. i had when it comes to your money and doing anything responsibility is key right uh put your big boy pants on or your big girl pants on and make decisions for yourself like do your due diligence go and speak with experts don't listen to some fucking guru on the internet and go all right i'm gonna put all my money in this and then try and blame other people for it right like you gotta take responsibility for your cash monies but uh along the lines of um Sorry, Matt, along the lines of what you guys were saying before, I think it can be like a combination of both the qualitative and the quantitative, right? Like for me, when it comes to finance, one thing I struggled with with for ages was finding my why. Like why would I be putting all this money away when I could be going and traveling and having benders in Nicaragua or snowboarding in Whistler or, Mm. you know, doing all these crazy like spur of the moment things. And I realized that, in hindsight is because I didn't have a strong enough why. Like like you were saying, like, all right, I'm gonna make a million bucks in five years. Yeah, great, but why? What's the whole point of doing that? Mm. Like it's good to have those quantitative steps, but when you have a really powerful why, like for example, I don't know, if you've got a kid, um, maybe your why is I want to give my family an incredible opportunity to live the life that they want to. Or maybe you have this dream of becoming a business owner. And that's a powerful enough why for you. But I think first of all, like find your why and then use these quantitative steps that you're talking about there, because that why is going to be like the power, the force that's pushing you to make sure that you only spend a thousand dollars a month and make sure that 40% of your paycheck goes towards your emergency fund. Would you agree with that? Oh, most definitely. I mean, you almost summarized a, a bit of for us, the way that we do goals now and it's been built over many years right many years but we both do this in slightly different ways but we've got some whys that sit across essentially like a big categories of our life now i split that up into three different ways current splits it up into seven eight eight different ways so you can you know you can split it up whatever but we've got some sort of founding foundations or philosophies or pillars if you want to call them that we go this is sort of the ultimate things that we look at so for me, I call them eminent human being sort of categories. Karen has, you know, obviously his terminologies for it, but all of our goals can't face up that way. And then we chunk them down into the yearly monthly structure and everything else. Financially, it's the same, right? I've got one in particular, which is my business finance and learning sort of section. And that one, I've got some, some qual and quantitative sort of targets there of, well, I want to be able to do this and have the flexibility to do that. So I've got this almost... I almost look at it inspires me as you were saying, right? Having the right why, having a strong enough why that you can bear anyhow. So when I look at that and I'm able to action on it, I go, yes, I know why I'm doing this, right? I understand that I am doing this because I want to do this. And if that means that I'm not, you know, whatever, buying the most expensive cereal or going out and drinking every night, the reason is this. Now I can also formulate it and expand it on, well, if I do do that, where's that going to take me? And you could almost sort of use the the, um, the bat stick on yourself, the beat stick and go, well, if I do continue that, this is where I'm going to land myself. And then you can go, well, dang, that's a really big difference to what I, why, why I'm doing this to get here. And if I continue to do this, where I'll in, actually end up. So you can kind of use it both ways. You can use it in the positive sense to kind of look at it and go, wow, yes, this is why I want to do it. Or use it in the negative sense, in the sense of look how far you're going to go off. And that, you know, that delta that's going to be between them to go, man, yeah, I better pull myself together and actually do the right things that I should be doing mm-hmm. by my future self. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Hundred percent. You got anything to add on that one, Cara? No, I think he he covered that pretty good. Nailed it. Nailed it on the head. Uh, the other one that that really troubles me, and this affected me for for years and years, is I find that most of the population, regardless of where you're living, is pretty financially illiterate, and a lot of that is due to the fact that in school there just simply is nothing really, unless you pursue it, you know, pursue economics or pursue um, courses and and uh, I guess, directions that'll take you towards a university degree that'll teach you about finance and how to make money uh, work for you instead of working for your money. There's just nothing really in school that teaches people this. And I guess, why do you think it is that, um, that, that the world and education is structured that way? And, and how, do you think, uh, how do you think people can improve their financial literacy? Yeah, well, that, one, that one's tough because like if you really get down to it, you don't want to be thinking of money as, as a be all and end all, right? So if, if you're focusing on money, you know, 80% of your day, that's probably a weird place to be in because you're, you're just going to be consumed because it's money is one of those things where it's like the second order effects from it is what you want. You want the fruits of it. Mm. Nobody actually, just because you have a certain number in a certain account, like doesn't mean shit. It's, it's the things that you can do with that, the, you know, prestige you get from having that mm. number, the the acquirements you can get, the ability to use that, convert that into time and get other people's time and things like that. So I could definitely see where, you know, if you're focusing on it, especially for kids, that maybe it's a, a, a bit of a, a negative in the sense that they're just going to be more concerned about money. But that being said, yeah, I wish I had a go through of going, doing a tax like a, a basic tax form mm. when I was a kid. I wish I had, uh, you know, an Excel sheet where I could have, you know, even just tabulated numbers in, numbers going out and being like, oh, maybe if I change this to this, then, you know, if I cut out buying the Yeezys this, this month, I can put that in this other place and I'll get an extra $50. Well, that's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine you wearing Yeezys, bro. If you saw Kyron's car that he's had for many, many, many years or, or my shoe collection or your shoe collection. <laughs> look, look, one of the things though is the schooling system is very outdated and people can argue it always you want of, you know, what should you be teaching? What are the things? It was made in the long gone age in the industrial era that it was made for individuals to learn something, place them in a factory, get them to do work, right? Now, life and everything has changed quite dramatically. Schooling hasn't so much. Not so much to, to, to rag on the schooling though. If I was to then talk about, you know, what are we missing? I think you hit something really spot on there where it's not the fact about teaching people about money, but it's still important, right? It's kind of getting them that, you know, Again, information to knowledge and knowledge being wisdom that you got to first understand. And I wish I could have this when I was a kid as well, right? Really getting people like you talked about into the why, like, you know, having a bit of a discussion with kids going, what do you want to be, right? There's a what, what do you want to be? An astronaut, a fireman, I want to be an accountant, a lawyer. My dad's telling me I got to be an engineer, whatever. Then the question is, okay, well, why do you want to be that? Well, they make a lot of money, right? So that's sometimes what people say. We got into engineering because we thought, there's a lot of money there. That's going to be part of some of the reasons why we got into it. Right? Uh, I got no, into it for uh, other reasons as well. But some of it for me was, well, engineers make money. Mm. Cool. Like more than just your average people. Fine, whatever. But if I really noil it down with kids and going, okay, well, why would you want that money? And then they can start having a bit more of an understanding of, oh, well, 
you know, want to have nice things and spendings and whatever. And what that might lead you to do is get a little bit more of a conversation of, you know, getting to the real why of what someone might want to do. The dangerous bit there is obviously that as a kid and, you know, someone who's a young teen, you're still going to be evolving through your life and experiences. But having foundational ways, I think, to teach young people around how to figure that out, you know, as like for yourself, because that's going to change as you sort of go through life. So just having the ability of like, look, understand it maybe at that point and then keep being able to do that and reflect it. Like, you know, we're now reflecting on things with 28, you know, get to 30, right. That might be the right age for people are reflecting. If you could do that sort of reflection and understanding of why you want to be doing things and then putting it into place when you're 20, like obviously all the better. Like, you know, you've taken away all these years of, you know, egregious feelings of yourself of being like, oh, well, you know, I've always aiming to be this businessman, but actually I hate business. I really like farming. And then, you know, you understand like, okay, well, it's not as important then for you, the money, if you can just do that. And even then you can find ways to make a lot of money. But then I definitely agree, right? I work specifically in the tax system at the moment as well. And, you know, just being able to learn those sort of very simple things at schooling would have been amazing. Like for people to, to teach you, like, you know, just generally how the tax system works, right? Like, why is it that we get taxes? Why is that useful? Uh, what are investment vehicles? Like, you know, most people, like if you ask kids, I think, or young individuals, they'd probably say, well, yeah, it's property and shares, right? You know, is it, you know, is it something that people can talk to? You know, you would know this better than most, right? Like cryptocurrency, you know, it's something that's happening at the now. You know, schooling's obviously very slow, but is it something that you could share with people? Like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's cryptocurrency, just like there's cybersecurity. And there's obviously a very, you know, wide expanding region in that. At the moment, you know, all of that learning is happening completely off the schooling system. You know, there's, there's very, very young kids, I'm sure at the moment, who are learning how to run businesses or invest in cryptocurrency or do anything else by learning from forums, other people, podcasts, whatever else. They're definitely not learning that from the schooling system. And, you know, I know personally, I've worked with someone in the past who was in one of my teams they dropped out of year 10, right? Because they just didn't believe that the schooling system was teaching them the right things. And they're an amazing individual. Like they know how to work. They understand money. They do all their finances, all this sort of stuff. They learned that outside of the schooling system. So, you know, they, obviously there's ways that could be, be improved from that because people are learning it from other perspectives. Um, but again, not to rag on the system because it is what it is. And if you, I think if you change something, you're going to take away from something else as well. Yeah, yeah, true. And I guess that's that engineer mindset coming in again, right? Like, let's kind of make this a little bit more about the solutions. Like, the school system's fucked. We all know that. I dropped out of school when I was, how old was I? 16. Um, yep. And and I'm doing I'm doing pretty okay. I'm I'm pretty happy with my life. So school is not is not the be all and end all. But I think in terms of that relationship with money, um, Karen, that you were talking about in regards to like money isn't everything, and I totally agree. And I think that's where it's really important to as an individual figure out your why and then build a good relationship with money in a way that you see it as a tool to achieve the things that you want right the reasons in your life and i think one of the big problems i had personally and i'm going to assume that if you're listening to this podcast right now you might relate is i had this really negative relationship with money where i was of the mindset that now nah, i want freedom and i want to do whatever i want and fuck money like fuck the system like all this kind of shit and what I kind of realized as I got on was like all right well like money's just like bits of gold and silver or currency or whatever it is it's not actually an inherently evil thing and 
if you're a good person and you have a strong why and a strong purpose and some strong foundations underneath you, it can be a really useful resource to achieve all of the things that you want to achieve in your life. Yeah, yeah certainly. I was going to share something that I shared with Karen and, and you know, our podcast listeners a little while back, right? I had this little epiphany uh, on my birthday a few months back. And... Happy birthday, bro. Oh, thanks, man. And <laughs> what happened was I kind of had a couple of hours free, right? It was a Saturday and I had to work that day, but it got caught short. And I was like, man, it's my birthday. Let's just go do whatever I want, right? And like, I'm fortunate enough to now be fairly flexible with my finances. I can do generally whatever I want to do. And on this particular day, that whatever I want to do boiled down to me as going to go and buy a pie and an almond croissant. And I just parked my car somewhere and just sat down and kind of enjoyed nature and had it. And that later that night, I also had like a bit of a dinner with the family, um, right? And to me, that day didn't cost me much. And I was just incredibly happy that day, right? Incredibly, incredibly happy. And I thought it, do, it, it wouldn't have mattered at this point if I had 100 million in my bank account or 10 billion or 100 billion. It wouldn't have even changed what I thought was going to be that. What, what could make me the happiest that day? It was actually very simple things. So your relationship with money can be really crucial when you, un, like when you understand what it is that makes you happy or you understand what it gives you meaning, what gives you passion, mm. then you kind of disassociate with the fact that, oh, well, it's not generally the, the 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 figure in your account it's you know what it is that you need to do the things that you want to do that's right? exactly so, it, right mm. and then you can you can make plans as such right when you kind of i guess um come to terms with your relationship with money the way actually i love metaphors i love stories and one of the ways i like mm. to think of it is like money for me was like an ex-girlfriend right and i just had this hatred for my ex-girlfriend aka money and the moment i came to terms with my ex-girlfriend aka money I was able to see it as, okay, well, like, it's just this thing that I can now use as um, guidance towards, like you say, my whys, whether it's going and, mm. you know, driving a car, which you've paid for with money and you can afford the gas to go buy your pie and a croissant and sit there and just enjoy the things that matter to you in life. Money has a part to play in that, right? Just like your ex-girlfriend had a huge part to play in your life and still does. Yeah, yeah. No, certainly. That's a pretty good one. Well, that gets weird if you're then starting to mix the metaphor with tools as well. So you're calling your girlfriend a tool. <laughs> Who knows where that goes? Oh, shit. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for that one. I was like, well, maybe I've, kind of, I've, I've chosen the wrong metaphor here. I hope she's not. Oh, no, I like that. I like that. But, but hey, look, again, don't take it away. If someone's you know, incredibly struggling, and I can already hear, because I've, I've talked about this with people, and you know, this has been shared with me, people will say like, well, that's all good and well, but that's because you have money. And like, I don't have money and whatever. I can tell you, like, I know a time when I had absolutely no money, like literally no money, like finishing university. When we finished university and we didn't really have a degree, like easily making less than the, so I was an engineer working in a structural firm and I won't even share what the name of this place is because they're horrible, but <laughs> I was earning as a full-time engineer, $14 an hour, right? And, wow. I was, and it was like eight hour, you'd get paid for the eight hour day, but you'd work more, 10, 12 hours, right? <laughs> it was insane. Right. And, and I was like, and I was having, obviously you have to dress the part and whatever. And it's still in the time I had to make, you know, you've got to make the tough choices at that point to understand like, sure, you've got all these whys, but it's also like, you've got to live. And so then I had to understand like, well, I, I genuinely can't go out and then go and do all these things. I can't be, you know, I've got to be frugal with the, maybe the way that I'm eating and dressing and doing a couple of things to focus on the things that are important. So if you're in that position, 
look, you're not the first person to be in that position, right? A lot of people have been in that position. It's about focusing on the things that are really important and, you know, you've got to make some tough decisions, focus on the, on the critical things. Uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You've got to be able to like live well, you've got to be able to, you know, just live your life. And once you've met those demands, at the very least, then start extrapolating from there. And if you need help, right, whether it's financially or wherever else, go and seek that out. Don't be so vain to the point that, oh, well, no, I'm not going to go and do that because I'm, I'm kind of okay, right? Mm, um, mm, mm. People have done them very tough. Uh, another story that I, my dad, if he, if he listens to that, I'm going to share this podcast with him. My dad, when he came over, when we came over from Colombia, right, um, they, all, they had full-time jobs and stuff when they lived in Colombia, but they essentially sold everything. They packed everything we had into sort of three, three bags with four people. We landed in Sydney. We had no idea where to go. And he was a computer engineer slash IT. And he had a couple of master's degrees. You know, Mom had also worked in a couple of other places. And to make ends meet, because it was expensive at the time, even then in 2001 in Sydney, Randwick, you know, they were working three to four jobs as sort of like hotel, uh, you know, hotel helpers and bakers in the morning and all this sort of other stuff, right? To make ends meet. But that's where you have to begin. Sometimes that is just where you have to begin. And mm. you're not, you know, if you're not fortunate enough to be able to be already a couple of rungs forward or wherever it may be, other people have been in there. You've got to put, you know, you've got to, sometimes you've got to say, yes, it is a struggle. Okay, keep going through the struggle. You know, it's kind of, don't cry and give up. You cry and keep going. You mm. get yourself to a position where again, as we talked about, you've got the right, emergency funds you've got a little bit of stability that you can now stem branching out mm. it's probably the people who you know you're in a position where you're earning very low coin and you put 80 percent into particularly like a really risky cryptocurrency investment and then you lose it all and then you get really <laughs> and then and then you really hate yourself because money has now caused your living to be horrendous right and yeah. you've allowed that to happen and mm. then you've got a as you're saying you've got a terrible relationship with the ex-girlfriend aka yeah, yeah. money yeah, yeah, 100%. I think there's a couple really, really powerful things you just touched on there, Juan. I don't even know if you realize it or not. But I guess I want to start by saying, like, I think this is the reason why a lot of people who are immigrants into countries tend to do really well, because they come from sometimes a, a pretty good situation to a new situation where they have to just begin from scratch and they have no one around them. They have no kind of support networks. They just need to get the shit done and make their lives happen, right? This is why I think mm. like a lot of people and my friend uh, David, who I was talking about before, the Colombian guy, he was same situation, you know, his family moved to Canada. They had to hustle, they had to work hard, they had to take responsibility. And I think for people that might be listening who, you know, they've grown up in comfort and they haven't really needed to, you know, be on the bones of their ass before and suffer through situations where they're low on money or restart because they've kind of had things handed to them on a silver platter there's some things that you need to kind of understand and one of which is you need to humble yourself right and then take total responsibility and accountability for the situation instead of falling into this trap which a lot of people do of this victim mentality and like i've done it before like 100 mm. i've done it before where it's like oh you know poor me and like fuck money like this is all someone else's fault and it's the crypto's fault it's not my fault that i put 100 percent of my net worth into some obscure fucking scam yeah. coin you know like there needs to be that humbling of yourself. There needs to be that accountability and that responsibility. Um, and then you need to pull away from this victim mentality, like take some ownership. And then, like you say, build stability. All right, I need a six-month buffer before I start investing in something. All right, how am I going to do that? 
All right, maybe I'll drive an Uber at night to earn a little bit more money. Maybe I'll move into a smaller place. Maybe I'll stop buying fucking Dolce Gabbana bags and maybe just deal with my little fucking crappy $15 Kathmandu bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And, 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 you know, and be, you know, very, very honest with yourself, right? Uh, you know, how often we're honest with ourselves. I was actually reading this not too long ago, but when we, there was a study done about, you know, people thinking how honest you are with yourself with certain things. And they interviewed and understood these people know like 95% of people said that most of the time, you know, they're really honest with themselves all the time. But the actual studies say it's like, you're only about 10% of the time. So, you know, with that kind of showcases, even if you think you're being honest with yourself, you're probably still not even being honest with yourself about what's actually going on. So, and the same thing can come about with money, right? Because you can play these stories in your mind that you'll go, oh yes, but but I need that Dolce & Gabbana. I really need this coffee, right? It's actually, no, you don't. You actually do not need to be doing this. Like if anyone tells me like, well, I really enjoy the coffee in the morning, right? And you're spending still five bucks per coffee. I'm going to tell you, you can buy from Woolies or Coles. You go and get yourself some dried fruit coffee and you can make that coffee. And sure, it tastes a little bit worse, but is it, are you preferring the coffee or are you preferring having like a, a roof over your head? Like, you know, what's better there? What, what, you know, you've got to have to make some tough decisions when you're, when you're really struggling to make it and scraping things together, mm. you make some tough choices. And, you know, if you've got family or something else that you're, you, it's depend on you, it makes it a little bit easy because you go, well, my kid dies or I have a coffee. Okay, well, that's probably going to be a no brainer. But when it's just you and you go, well, it's a coffee, um, or no coffee, like, you know, it's, I'll just have the coffee. Like, I, it feels nice. And people get used to this dopamine hit of like, now, now, now. Mm-hmm. You have to come to, the, to, you know, to grips with like, okay, it's going to suck. I acknowledge that. I might have taken some wrong turns in the past with my financial investments, but here I am today, right? Let's just go from that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, another really pointed story just around this. One, uh, a property investment of mine, right? If I had just been, that was all the investment that I would have done. It went through a period where it went up and now it's gone down, right? Through the COVID structure, I had real big issues with renting it, all this sort of stuff. I had to rent it at much lower price points. If I had just focused on that and I was really heavily invested in there, man, I'd be in some pain. I'd be in mm. some horrendous pain. And if I'd like lost my position through COVID or whatever, like, man, I would not be in a good place. But fortunately, you know, I have those, pl- those things in place where it's, you know, some sort of emergency funds. I've got investments in different portfolios and different structures and vehicles. So I can kind of go, well, even if this goes down, you know, there's other areas of my life that are still, you know, either humming along or going better. So it still stabilizes the entire portfolio. Mm. So, Mm. yeah. I mean, one of the ones we haven't touched on is I would really disagree with people or just pull people away from putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Do not put all your eggs in one basket. There's actually... Uh, if anyone anyone listening and hasn't read much into stuff that Ray Dalio publishes, or if you know Ray Dalio, one of the things that he and a couple of other people talk about, right, mathematically is if you can diversify your portfolio or your investments into 15 different unrelated, uh, so they're not correlated together uh, investments, um, you're actually statistically going to have a better off uh, result, even if one of those was going to go amazingly well. And mm. it just it's just the way that mathematically works out on... You know, the accuracy of something going really well or really bad and just sort of diversifying that around. So, uh, you know, and this all comes to, you know, using information and bringing it back to, you know, knowledge that you can actually use and put into action. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I guess we're kind of moving into the next topic I've got written down here, 
Um, before we move on to part two of this, which is totally a leap in a different direction, because I think we're going to talk yep. about meditation. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you kind of touched on investing there quite briefly um, and diversification. And for anyone who wants to get their own knowledge and do their own due diligence before they talk to financial advisors or make their own plans, I'll link that stuff mm -hmm. about Ray Dalio in the show notes. And I'll also link a couple other books that really helped me, things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, things like Gold and Silver by Mike Maloney. And maybe if you guys have a couple suggestions as well, I'll chuck those in the show notes. But let's say you've got someone out there and they've got their six to 12 month emergency fund set up. Um, they're super stable. Um, what, what kind of, what's their kind of next step when it comes to um, investing? Like what, what would you kind of say, maybe based on your own, own experience, talking a little mm. bit about diversification there, some of the ideas around why people should invest in whatever sort of vehicle they're looking at, be it real estate, stocks, um, when they should look to invest, and I guess how they should look to invest. Because especially nowadays, nowadays there's all these crazy apps that are advertised all over YouTube and all over the internet and all over social media. And it's really easy to fall into a trap. Like uh, I'll use an example, this guy in New York who was trading on Robinhood and he had no idea what leverage was. He 100x leverage to trade. The stock crashed. He lost negative $700,000 and he threw himself off the building. Like kind of a funny story, but also terrible, right? Because this guy ended up committing suicide. So maybe if you could give like a couple of tips on how someone would go about learning how to invest, what sort of resources you used and then how they'd get started. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll, start, cool. I'll, I'll start off with what I think is probably like the fundamentals or the easy basic one. Yep. And then Juan can go into his deep. <laughs> deep. So yeah, fundamentals. So like what are the fundamentals are investing? Obviously, don't lose your money. Buy, buy low, sell high. Everything everyone knows and it's super simple. But then when you actually try and put it into practice, very, very difficult. So I think probably before you actually start it's good to have a bit of understanding from wherever it is so uh, of the fundamentals so just for me personally ray dalia we already mentioned very good source he he goes over the basics um the the basics of i guess share investing how you can buy good companies at a uh, like a buy a company at a, a good price um and hope it's a great company so it goes up and up or know a okay company at a very low price and then hope it goes back to being you know good if you're talking about stocks uh if you're talking about real estate um if you're in australia the property couch is pretty good i listened to some of that and i've you know i've never actually invested in property i don't have much of an understanding of that world but i, I guess you see some of the basics of, of fundamentals when they talk about people who talk about the fundamentals right if they're if it's if you're looking for a resource and they talk about look you just do these basic things and they're not too complicated they're not too extravagant and you can maybe get that same advice from a couple of different streams that's probably the way to go yeah. uh, now as, as far as actually investing in stuff yeah i, I won't give specific ad advice but um, know your your own risk profile so if you're young and you've got 40 years of earning ahead of you, you can afford to put it into some riskier ventures like cryptocurrency now is sort of, cause it's still relatively new. We don't exactly know what's going to, what it's going to do. High value stocks as well. But again, the way that I'd highlight with people is you want to start. So let's, again, let's go to this ridiculous scenario. 
you now have your emergency fund. You've got a bit of income coming, which means you've got some extra on the side, right? You've met all your requirements of living. What do you do with this extra? Where I would begin is go where you've got a bit of a passion. So for me, right, I was a civil engineer, specifically in structures. I really enjoyed buildings, right, properties. So for me, that was always going to be the, the first sort of starting point because I just had a, a really, I've, I had a good attachment to it. I already understood buildings in the structural sense, but that translated to me being, you know, active in the way of understanding like, okay, well, let's understand the markets and then the markets within markets. And then what does that mean from units, apartments, townhouses, developments, subdevelopments, all these things that you can do, right? Commercial, normal. So you then get into all those uh, niche areas and you can understand, okay, well, I want to venture down into these specific areas. So one is understand your passion. Let that lead you into where you want to invest. Because if you want to go into the share market, but you hate finding out about, companies and the like well you know you're not going to really enjoy it even if you're earning a lot you're going to from it you're going to go well every day i've got to go and check this or every week i'm doing that or it's really annoying or i get really emotionally attached to the up and downs and don't do it go and look for other investment ways that you can go and do that so that's one uh second thing that people should be thinking about is how liquid you want your money to be or your assets to be so you know um obviously there's really, really illiquid with a property, right? Going into the market of property and coming out of the property, you know, there's quite a bit of expenses to go in and quite a bit of expenses to come out. So you can be super illiquid and, and the share, you know, portfolio way, you can do different things and then you can have a bit of a range in the middle. So understanding just how liquid do you need your money to be? Mm. And obviously it has its variations and its risk profiles depending on that. Um, another one as well that I was just noting down is just understanding what do you want to do with that money, whether it's short-term or long-term? So do you need that money and that return to be like now? And if it is, then you're going to be undoubtedly looking at uh, risk profiles that are going to be higher. So, you know, if you're thinking maybe in a one to five year timeline, maybe you want to look at the cryptocurrency or the share market, right? Because there's a high volatility in those uh, investment vehicles. If you want to look medium term, you know, you might look at businesses, you might look at EFTs, you might look at, Otherwise, if you want to look really long-term and be really secure, maybe start talking property, although property can be medium to long-term or it could be you know, putting money in the bank, right? That's bonds. Pro- yeah, bonds, whatever else. Something that's going to be really long-term. So there's all these sort of structures and ways. And I think those are some of the questions that people can begin asking themselves. Because Then you'll go, okay, well, I don't need it to be liquid. I want to be holding it for the long-term. Uh, I really like property. Oh, well, I really like buildings. Hey, guess what? I probably would suggest to you that if you live in Sydney, you find out about what are some of like the markets within markets in Sydney. How does that fit to you? What's the down payment that you need? How can you get into it if you can't go and buy your own place? How can you do it through, uh, say, things like BrickX, which is like buying specific, you know, uh, portions of a house so that 10 people can buy a house and you can get that sort of investment. So you can go down that path. And then, you know, if you tell me, well, I want it to be really liquid, I'm looking at it to be short term. I want really high returns in a really quick amount of time to do whatever. And I've been there too. And I've used my money this way. Get into drugs. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go into drugs. But if you want to do it like legally, you know, you can go on down the path of, okay, well, you can do day trading, right? And then you can understand what does day trading mean? And that's when we get into these discussions, you know, what does leverage mean? What does it mean to, you know, to be buying low and selling high? Now, what are the things that you should be able to indicate that you should be, you know, understanding in that pattern? So, and you're only going to get all the way down that level 
if it's, you know, if you're passionate about it and if you want to go and learn it. Like, I think you've mentioned to us, mate, that, you know, you've got some, you know, some passionate understanding of cryptocurrency and it's probably going to be, you know, surpassed probably what me and Karen know about it, right? Like we know it at a high level, but you might have quite a lot more detail. So now I'm not extremely passionate to go and know about it. So if I really said to myself, well, I want to be investing a lot, if I, you know, again, the same position, and I, and I really wasn't like, I'm really, really excited about it. You know, it's, I'm going to pull, I'm not going to pull finger to go and do that. But if there was something else where I was really interested in, then so be it. Here's a clear, really a clear example. Sports cards. Amen. Sports cards have been going fantastic as of late, mm. right? So from 2018 through to like 2019, is like awesome. But I don't care about them. I don't even know the single thing about sports cards. But you can make a lot of money, right? In there. If you're really, really passionate about it, go do it. But if not, there's probably other ways you can do that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting you mentioned sports cars because I remember doing some photography one early mm. morning and I met a guy who does exactly that, imports sports cars for cheap and then sells them off at much higher amounts years later. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> especially, yeah, basketball cars. Uh, they've been having, yeah, especially like American basketball cards. They've been going through like a renaissance, man. They're like, mm. I think they were like 300, 400 bucks, most of them around 2018, 2017. Uh, mm. And now on average at like three, four grand, right? With some of them going up into the, the million. I think I saw the other day, someone invested a, bought a $700,000 sports car. And then a couple of months later, they sold it for 2.2 million. So like, it's Crazy. just going bananas, right? So, and if you look at it from an investment vehicle, you know, you don't traditionally think that, but you go, man, that was freaking fantastic. Like mm. what an amazing um, like investment that would be. But you don't think about it as investment because you have no knowledge of the sport car industry. So it's like, well, I just don't understand it. Same thing comes with cryptocurrency, right? Bitcoin. Mm. If you don't really understand it to see why it went from like the beginnings of Bitcoin all the way to like $20,000 and back down and whatever, you just, you could only look at it from the outside and be like, wow, there was just so much money to be made. But people who were there at the very start or who know about it would have understand what happens when, you know, uh, where Bitcoin went through all through his faces, you know, you could really see when the media sort of took hold of it and, and everything just exploded up with Bitcoin and Ethereum and everything else. So um, mm-hmm. you know, finding out what you're passionate about is where I'd say begin at that point. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Like having to, in order to have an understanding with anything, if you're actually passionate about it or even just intrigued by it, then you're going to do your due diligence. Right. And I think, I guess mm-hmm. a few things that I'd want to, confirm with you because i think you kind of overall covered them in that little discussion um would be if you are looking if you are at the stage where you're going to be investing in anything yeah like be passionate about it first of all have some sort of intrigue but also have a definitive why right comes back to what we were talking about before like why are you wanting to make x amount of money by investing x amount of money within five or ten years if you have a why if you have a reason it's going to be a lot easier for you to deal with the cycles that will eventually come with any market regardless of whether it's real estate cryptocurrency um, traditional stocks you're going to have booms and busts it's the way our economy works so if you have a definitive why you're going to be able to um, withstand those down periods right because you'll understand all right, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for these reasons. I can deal with this shit. Another one would be have a definitive timeline, right? Like once you have that why, understand how long it is that you need to, like you say, uh, liquidate your money. Like, do you need the money in a year? All right, if you need the money in a year and this investment is going to take 10 years to mature, maybe don't invest in that. (laughs) 
made sense. Another one would be like have foundational knowledge of whatever it is you're going into, right? Like don't just dive headfirst in and throw a hundred grand into Bitcoin, for example. Maybe when it's sitting at 20 grand thinking, oh, it's just going to keep going up. And then next minute, your hundred grand turns into fucking 20 grand and you're thinking, what the hell exactly. just happened? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and another one would be, um, I don't know if you've read a book. I want to read it. It's called Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb. I might link it in the I, bio. I haven't, I haven't read the book, but I have listened and read about enough about Nassim to know probably what his points would be in there. Mm -hmm. the, the basic idea is like, and you mentioned this before, there's so many little investments where you can put literally a dollar in just to get that little bit of skin in the game. Because once you are actually invested in something, and the same goes for like you pay for a gym membership because you know that if there's money going out, you're more likely to actually do the work and understand why it's important to go to the gym. Mm. Right? The same can be said for any investment, like get a little bit of skin in the game. It doesn't need to be much. And then you're going to naturally want to know why your money went up by 10 cents yesterday or why it yep. went down by 10 cents. Right. And then another one would be to, yeah, last one I would add to what you guys have said is do your, do your due diligence, right? Like, once again, like this is not a financial advice podcast. We're literally just having a discussion. The key is for you to go out there, take responsibility for whatever path it is that you want to go down as an investor and figure out the, cross the T's and dot the I's, you know? Uh, look, and I was going to add to that, mate. Like, so I, I don't know if we've touched on it right, but I have, so I am an angel investor and I've also looked into purchasing businesses and seeing where that goes um, down right or what I can do with that. Now, one of the things I found from it was you have to really dot your I's and cross your T's in there. Like you need to understand what is going on, what you're getting yourself involved in, what are you getting into? And you know, if I wasn't really passionate, and there was a lot of times where, you know, I thought, oh, this is something interesting, but it wasn't quite enough. There's a huge amount of work that you have to do there to understand what, you know, if it's really a valid thing that you want to be investing into. And for me, it was like, okay, well, no, I don't want to be spending so much effort in that area to be getting you know this particular return where i know i could go and get that return doing something else that then gives me more value to go and do it elsewhere so um it's also as much how much time can you afford to put into it like if you've got every single hour of your working day to be able to invest okay sure there's probably going to be lots of things you can do but if you don't also think about okay well what's going to suit you know your lifestyle you don't want your you don't want to be you know uh, really well off in, in you know, 10, 15 years time, but then be having to spend every single waking moment having to look after your wealth, right? It's mm. kind of like, well, that's there's no point there. Well, thanks for listening in there, guys. I hope you got a ton of information out of that podcast. I know I did. Once again, if any of the discussions we had about money, about finance, about investing interests you, make sure you put your big boy pants on, uh, your big girl pants on, and you go have a discussion with a financial advisor if you want to know more, or simply go and do your own research uh, to get yourself into a better situation so that you can make better decisions with your money. This was simply a discussion about money and finance. I don't want you to go out there and say, hey, those guys on the Couple of Lattes podcast, they told me to do this. This sounds like a great idea and lose all your money overnight. Make sure you do your own research. Once again, put your big girl pants on, put your big boy pants on and go and have a discussion with a financial advisor or a financial expert if you want clarification on anything that we talked about in that podcast. 
Oh, and one last thing. Uh, make sure you tune in same time next week uh, for part two of my very interesting conversation with the boys from Mere Models. Next week, we'll be talking about a completely different topic, meditation. Meditation.